The Truck Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Now, with this being a different episode, this is our Fansets ad. So make sure that uh, as the month of April comes up, you visit Fansets at their booth at Mission Chicago where they're going to have some special pins for the convention available at their table. Now, those pins may go very fast due to them being at the convention, and they might not be available on the Fansets website due to that. So, do your best to get to Chicago. Otherwise, you can use our special discount code for 10% off, and that is Discovering Trek at checkout. So load up your carts because you know that if you have over $30 worth of merchandise, you get free shipping within the U.S. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. And we have a very special episode in store for you today. Now, as you all know, without question, I am not the star of this show, but my co-host is. All the fan mail comes her way, all the hate mail comes my way. Uh, We've talked in the past about how Star Trek Voyager was Emily's first foray into the Star Trek universe, and her first captain was Catherine Janeway. Seeing her come back to Prodigy first as a training hologram, and then at the end of the season as a vice admiral, was kind of like the universe coming full circle for her. We'll talk about coming full circle. Um, We had a very special honor... And that was to talk to Kate Mulgrew uh, about her life, about uh, her time as Janeway, both on Voyager and on Prodigy. Uh, So, um, like, I would say 95% of the conversation was devoted to you. So what did you think about being able to have this special honor? I thought that it was incredible that, especially, especially because I got to talk to her, but I thought that it was incredible that you were just sidelined and that nobody cares about you. Well, this is probably, well, you know what? This show, that doesn't bother me. If I was on another show, it would bother me quite a bit. But like I said, you're the star. So we are thrilled, as mentioned, to have a very special guest aboard for Discovering Trek Prodigy. The Emmy-nominated actress behind Captain Janeway, Kate Mulgrew. So we did have a bit of technical difficulty at the beginning getting the uh, recording to start. So, Em, can you fill everyone in on the first question you asked uh, as the recording will pick up as Kate is answering it for us? I asked her if when we had a conversation with the Hagemans, um, if when they said that she was the first person that they wanted to cast for Prodigy, I asked her 
if there was any hesitation to come back into the role after 20 years. So you want to know after 20, 25 years whether the offer to do Star Trek Prodigy was a little uh, uh, odd for me. And it was. Um, I wasn't at all sure I wanted to jump back into Janeway. And that was a very, very all-consuming, overwhelming seven years of my life. And it defined the rest of my life. Don't forget, I was a young single mother of two kids. And I was working about 18 hours a day. I did that for seven years. So I thought, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not sure I'm up to it. And then I started to uh, think about children. And I realized that it was the only demographic left. Kids had never really had a, a, a program specifically designed for them. And here it was, animated, which children love, as you know, and a way to introduce Captain Janeway to young minds and they, and to be shared with their parents and their grandparents. And I thought, this could be great, wonderful. So let's let's jump in. And I did. You look like you're sitting uh, in a ship, doesn't you? A little bit, yes. <laughs> you, you look like you're sitting at the helm. Where are this you? The chair, I think. This is. I'm under my bed right now. You're under, under the your bed. bed. Oh, you have a can. Yeah. Good. Does that answer that's... your question? Yeah, that was good answer. <laughs> All right. Ask me another question, or should I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? You can. I've... Why don't you show me something that you're drawing right now? Show me one of your drawings. Um, I have one. I'd like to see them. Um, I did a drawing for my grandparents next year anniversary. Uh -huh. well, this year, actually. Oh yeah, it was this year. I don't know if you can oh. see that great, but it, it. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, cool. Oh, that's great. The camera light was. Kind you of love them, don't you? Yes. Yeah, I can see that. I, it shows itself in the work. Good for you. That's lovely. You're talented. Thank, thank you. Mm -hmm. and she's she's been she's been learning all kinds of new art. Um, beside just regular hand drawing, she's getting into the digital art as well. Um, and her hope is to maybe go to Rhode Island School of Design at some point. RISD, oh, the best. RISD's very good. And it's only but about we, thirty minutes from home, so it's good. Where are you guys? Where are you? Where do you live? In Rhode Island. So, oh, and Rhode Island. we're yeah. three miles from the Connecticut border. So we're not on the ocean side of Rhode Island. We've in got Stratford. the. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, nice! Yeah. I have, I have a work office in Bridgeport and one in Cromwell. Oh wow! Yeah, it's right next to me on right. both sides. And what do you, Mike, have on the back wall? You've got a lot of Star Trek memorabilia there. Oh yeah. So one of the other podcasts that I do is a uh, collectibles podcast. So um, these are fan sets pins. Um, and I like to do framing and matting. So I've gotten the pins and done all my own frames and mats right. for them. That's that's my that's the only art I'm good at. I can't draw. So I create stuff like that. I see. So this runs in the family. Huh? Well, it skipped a generation on me. She got she got all the talent. Okay. All right. Well, what, so you're homeschooled. What does that mean? Uh, your dad, 
teaches so, you? Your mother educates you? Who teaches my you? My mom. My dad, he, okay, he is bad at, I don't, okay, so this might sound <laughs> a bit mean, but he is bad at, at math. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I can't ask him any math questions, and that's the thing that I have a lot of trouble with. So it's Me too. Like my dad. Yes. I always had trouble with math, Emily. Math is and then, hard. you know, I sort of, but if you're not going to use it in your life, never mind. I, I can't say that. <laughs> you have to, I've, I've, I've already told her that. <laughs> you, have study, you have to study math. It's very good. Just learn how to tip. That's all you really need to know about math. <laughs> how to tip. Quick percentages. Now, what other questions do you have? Okay, well, um, considering how much Star Trek has progressed and grown over the years, um, how much pride do you take in having the first female lead in a Star Trek series? Great pride. Uh, Probably too much pride. It was, after all, only a character in a television series. But in Star Trek, everything takes on a life of its own. So I didn't finish the job after seven years and then say goodbye to Catherine Janeway. She stayed with me. And the thing really grew um, exponentially. It's crazy. I mean, and it's it's growing in leaps and bounds every day. So uh, I have tremendous pride. I would say that. Yes. And why shouldn't I? So when you're recording your lines for Prodigy, are you working for, yeah. Oh yeah. Are are you, are you working from a script and animatics? Uh, Is there pre-recorded stuff that's sent to you to try and work along with it? Or uh, are they even doing sessions with other actors? I mean, I guess COVID has really kind of thrown a wrench in how a lot of things are going. I go in alone, but I go into a recording studio. And I go into a booth and usually they're on the Zoom. And then I have another screen in front of me so that the scene is shown. If I have to do lip syncing, which I had to do a lot of yesterday, that's called ADR. Uh, And then when I'm finished with the lip syncing and I'm just recording, uh, if it's original, uh, I just do it. And I lay down three on the track and I just go one at a time. And the guys weigh in, the Hegeman brothers weigh in. They tell me what they like about it or what they'd like to change about it. And I do that accordingly because I guess in the final analysis, they are my bosses. So they're wonderful to work with. And the sessions are easy and fun. And I get to try new things with my voice, which I've always loved to do. That's really neat. I told you that was how they did it. Pardon me? I we had a discussion when he first wrote down some questions. We I told him that that's how voice actors recorded lines and he he disagreed with me. Well, <laughs> yes. I didn't I didn't Well, disagree. that's what fathers are for. Don't you know that, Emily? <laughs> that's what it's all about. I had a father who disagreed with almost everything I said. But of course, I was one of eight children. I finally said, "Dad, oh, give wow. it up." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Emily's the solo child, so uh, Are you so the she gets only all child, our attention. Emily, 
And that yeah. must be that must be a double-edged sword. That must be both good and bad. Yeah, I used to want a sibling, but I'm kind of glad that I don't have one at the same time. Because it's like, because I'm homeschooled, I and because of COVID, I didn't go out for a while, and I still don't talk to many people. But at the same time, I like my own alone time, and I feel like with a younger sibling, it would be kind of hard to have that sometimes. Yes, perhaps, yes. I mean, when I say that I was one of eight, I spent all of my childhood trying to find some alone time. I spent my entire childhood begging my father to put a lock on my bedroom door because everybody was coming in and out. And it was just impossible. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I think that you're probably one of those deeply private people. And you find great pleasure in your own mind. And you probably have an exceptional mind, Emily. Or I don't think you'd be on this podcast with me right now. Right? She, I definitely ride her coattails. Let's say that. She's got a lot going on in that brain of hers. I can see it. Mm. <clears throat> I don't know how much she's going to share with us today. But maybe if I keep scratching, I'll get some, some gold here. You know, I I was, so. when, I, when I was 12, my life changed, Emily. I'll tell you that. I think it's the seminal year for a woman. It's when you become a woman. It's when you decide what kind of person you really want to be. And at 12, that's when I decided to become an actress. Uh, I grant you, I had a mother who helped me and a father who pushed against me. So both things worked together to help uh, propel me forward. But I was absolutely 12 years old when I made up my mind. And just four years later, I left home forever. So 12 is important. Very, very important. And that's probably all going on in your mind right now, isn't it? Huh? I I already know what I want to where I want to go to college and what I want to do for work. So yeah. Where do you want to go to college? Well, I want to go to RISD, and then after that, I want to do like storyboard designs for like video games and shows and stuff. We just had a big talk about video games, Amy and I. I guess you like video games, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Which ones? Which ones do you like? Um, I play, um, I mostly play, like, I'm pretty invested in The Legend of Zelda. I did, I I did, um, a project on it for school. So that's, that's one of my main ones, but I... I so I don't not normally, but I sometimes play a Star Wars game too. Fall in Order. Yes. Yep. <laughs> One of my friends is playing that right now, and my husband played it too. But here's my question. Here's my question, and it's very very important to me what your answer is. So think about it before you answer. I don't mind that you play video games because you're in a new you know you're of that generation, and all you kids play video games. I don't play them myself. I read. I'm interested in people who read. Do you read books? I used to read books, but I have a short attention span now, so it's kind of hard. But I 
my mom makes me read for school, so I've kind of gotten better at reading. So how do you with this attention span deficiency? How do you play the video games? The well, uh, I actually read an article on that where it whenever you achieve something in a game, it produces chemicals in your brain that will make you more motivated to play it. So it'll just be the cycle of getting more brain chemicals that'll make you want to play. So you keep playing and then it'll continue to happen. And then five hours will have gone by. And mom and dad will be saying stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's something. Can you imagine if you brought that same energy to reading? I think that endorphins react in much the same way when a book gives you pleasure or introduces you to a world you know nothing about. So maybe you might want to read a little bit more if you can, right? Do you still have all your books on the shelf right behind you? Yeah. Well, one of them that I was reading earlier is on the floor. Uh, Okay. Okay, good. Good, good. There was was a point. Do you want to ask me because? Do you you find it? like hard or make is it more difficult to portray emotions when you're just able to use your voice uh compared to when you're live acting and you're able to use facial features it's easier live action real time is is easier because it's real and the uh, chemistry between myself and my partner my acting partner is also very very real and just like those uh brain chemicals you were just talking about that that also is very present in acting. A certain energy happens between two people and it's very exciting. So when I'm alone in the recording booth, I'll have one of the guys, the director usually, his name is Brooke, cue me in, he'll read a few lines with me and that'll, that'll set me up. Uh, but the job of the voice actor is to is to bring immediately a certain quality to that voice uh, that doesn't really require the underpinning of emotion. So I'd say it's by degree easier, but it's also a a very very different and important kind of skill. I love them Mm. both. I think you've done some extraordinary work with, with Prodigy. Um, you know, when, when we both, when we both saw the previews, we said it, it, there's almost no difference between having just the voice versus when you were, when you were live in the show. Um, so yeah, I guess thumbs up is what we're trying to say. (laughs) That's great. Except for the fact that this Janeway isn't real and right and is in the future and <laughs> is a hologram. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well uh, done, Emily. Good girl. Yeah. <laughs> you can always go into logic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's so do you ever feel like the work that you did as Janeway got overlooked? Uh, because of it being science fiction, I, I know you you were nominated for an Emmy for your work is red, but yeah, 
there was a lot of there was a lot of times that it was just the specific science fiction awards that yourself and your fellow actors and Voyager would get for for the show. Do you feel yeah. like you were overlooked? Well, the industry has never recognized science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Trek, stupid, uh, just never has, and I don't know what the what the logic behind that is, and I'm 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 not going to try to figure it out now. <laughs> do I do I feel overlooked in terms of the value that each one of us brought to the franchise? Absolutely. Um, it's harder work than any of these people know anything about. And it's far more demanding on levels that people can't even conceive of. Um, so I'm very, very proud of it. Yeah, I feel a little overlooked. But in the end, Mike, uh, it all works out because most actors have to leave their series or their movies and, and grope for the next hook. but. Star Trek is with me forever to sort of hold me up and uh, bear witness to the fact that it never dies. So I'm pretty, uh, it's a pretty fortunate position to be in. So Mm. there's this and there's that. And I think I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. So I guess that kind of leads to a bit of a follow-up then on that. Uh, Was it difficult to get used to uh, how much like the fans embrace these fictional characters that you're portraying. And like you said, it's, it's not just a job that you start and you finish and that's the end. It's something that, you know, you're still getting recognition for today, 20 plus years later, and now being put into another show portraying that character. Well, I think unless you've been on the inside as I have been, Patrick Stewart has been Bill Shatner, uh, you don't understand what it is that is so compelling. It's a, it's a, it, it's a d- deeply felt uh, thing. And it's a, uh, it's very, very powerful. It, 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 it has the ability to capture more than the imagination because it's rooted in fact, so much of it. And then the rest of it is rooted in hope. So it's uh, altogether uh, sort of resoundingly um, clever and uh, hopeful and intellectually so evolved and so advanced that you really have to stay on your toes. So Trekkers are not idiots by any stretch of the imagination. These are fans who are really looking very decisively at what you're doing. And uh, they want to have that conversation ongoing. Mm. Emily, are you watching Star Trek at Voyager as well as Prodigy or just or do you even watch any of this stuff? I have specific episodes that I go and rewatch over and over again. And so I I did actually recently watch a couple of those. Um, what are they, honey? I'd like to know what they are. Oh, um, I like... Fairhaven and Spirit Folk. I like those. Really? Um, you like the holodeck, huh? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, that's using the imagination in every in every way. I liked it too. Janeway loved it. She had yes. Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She what never had enough episode? time on the holodeck, but it was it. See, that, that's an example <laughs> of how brilliant the uh, the conceits are. 
I mean, the holodeck. John Reese Davies. Yeah, that was John Reese Davies. But I mean, that's Star Trek for you. It's very, very, very smart. Now, who does? I have to, now my turn for a question. Can you cook, Emily? Kind of. I I can follow directions, um, but nothing off the top of my head. I can make grilled cheese. (laughs) But can you boil an egg? No. Yeah, you could. I could. Yeah, you and you and Mama. I I could. There's a lot of things that I could probably figure out. I just don't really look into it because I and I enjoy having fast lunches that I can just make. So it's easier for me to stick with the stuff that I know. Yeah. I understand that. Sometimes I'm very interested in food. Sometimes I'm not. That's just the nature of it. Give me a good question, Emily. Then I have to go and take care of some stuff. It's your favorite episode to record. Ooh. I did 26 a year for seven years. Um, <laughs> Usually you say counterpoint. I did love counterpoint because she got mm. to be cute. Jane, we got to be very human and, fall and feel love in that. I love Death Wish with my great friend John Delancey playing Q. Uh, wondering what it would, you know, what it is, the value of life. Uh, I love the end game, the final episode, the two-parter. Um, I love that idea that the Admiral sacrificed herself so that the captain could return with her ship. And uh, it's been a wonderful, uh, a wonderful adventure for me. I never thought this would happen to me, Emily, in my whole life. I mean, I really didn't think that this world of Star Trek was going to open up to me in this almost explosive way. But it has. And as a result, I am trying to step up to this plate with uh, grace and energy and passion and gratitude because it's great. I hope you find the same passion in your life for something. I think you will. And I want to wish you the best of luck at RISD, sweetie. But maybe we'll meet before then, okay? Okay. All right. You guys can have an invitation to come find me whenever you're at a convention. I should be there too. Unless it's on a boat. I don't do those. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just I just read that this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. And I know uh, when I when I first told Emily that we had this opportunity, um, if you think that her face is a glow right now, uh, it lit up even more and the smile was ear to ear. So, uh, well, on that note, let me just say something about let me just say something about your face. You're beautiful, you're a beautiful person. (laughs) Look at that face, look at that beautiful skin, your sparkling (laughs) eyes, your perfect nose, your lovely mouth, and your fine mind. You're going to have a wonderful life. Come and find me at one of these conventions. All right, we'll have to do that. All right. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Well, I got to say that was one of the highlights of my podcasting career so far. Um, I think uh, discovering Trek 
in itself. Uh, and I think you would probably agree with me, M. Uh, the opportunity that we had to come on the network, first of all, was a huge opportunity. Uh, being able to carry on the discovering Trek Torch uh, for Prodigy, which has opened the opportunity for us to talk to the Hagemans and now Kate Mulgrew. I mean, can you? Is there anything higher that we can shoot for? No, but I want to say that it's not a torch. It's one of those weird headlights that they have in Star Trek <laughs> that just keep getting smaller. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say it was like dim, like my mentality. <laughs> um, don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. You can get access to unedited audio of all of our podcasts and a lot of other perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscriptions start as low as $2 a month. For more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to Discovering Trek, there is the Trek Geeks Podcast, Rewind, Polytrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Drawn to Trek, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, the Sci-Fi Sisters, Science Station 2, and With the First Link. You can find all of these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com slash listen or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. So again, we're in the hiatus of Prodigy, but uh, this was just uh, another little thing that uh, hopefully you all enjoy uh, hearing Kate... Uh, essentially talk to Emily, which again, I think is great. Um, in fact, unless you are a patron, uh, you're barely going to hear me in this podcast because I deleted a lot of my audio out. So enjoy. And until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.